Hey, Drinking Horn crew. Um, Steve Prager with Audubon Southwest. I just wanted to send my thanks your way for the recent Ohay Pinion Jay collaboration. Not only did y'all brew a hell of a tasty batch of mead, but you're also helping us make the Pinion Jay a common household name, and you're helping us get folks out into the field. Uh, we can't thank you enough, and we look forward to working with you again and again and again. So yeah, talk soon. Bye. Coming to you from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, this is the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Join us as we take a deeper dive into mead and mead culture. Hello, and welcome to the Drinking Horn Meadcast. Meadcast, 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 Meadcast. This is a podcast where we talk about mead, bees, and kick-ass Viking shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Evan. Oh, hey, Nick. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Oh, hey, Pinion Jay. Oh, hey, Pinion Jay. Yeah, we're trying to get better about coming out with these uh, these mead casts for each of the, the new seasonal flavors that come out. So we've got a few on the backlog, so... Be patient with us. We're working on it. Why are we putting them back there on the back log? I don't know, but I don't even know how that log got there. Yeah, it just kind of appeared one day. Sometimes I do things and don't remember. It's not even ponderosa pine. It's like <laughs> it's eastern it's black birch. It's eastern, where, oh god, where did that come from? From the black forest. <laughs> Hopefully, the one in Germany. Yes, excellent. Yeah. So now I'm hungry for some cake. Uh, <laughs> mm, yeah. German chocolate cake. You know what I'm also hungry for. <laughs> is some information about this mead. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Keeping me on topic. <laughs> kind of. I didn't even know where my brain was going on that one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, I, that's a great thing that you bring up because it puts it back in my mind as well that we do want to kind of come out, you know, bang, bang, bang with some of these episodes to let you guys know a little backstory maybe about a mead that's coming out or some interesting facts about it. You know, just uh, letting, you know, feeding your thirst for, for mead knowledge. Yeah, every seasonal almost at least every seasonal has a really cool story behind it, either where the flavors came from or the inspiration came from or why we did it in general like this one. Um, so I think the, those are things people might like to know. I think they would. Yeah. They're nifty. <laughs> we'll call it eventually we'll call it the nifty 50. <laughs> Excellent. That means we have to keep it under 50 minutes, right? Ah, oh yes, for sure. Or 50 flavors. And well, we have to get at least 50 flavors mm. yeah. and one minute each explanation. We're, we're not far from 50 flavors. Yeah. Not, I don't think so. You have a count in your head at all? No. I just put you all. on the spot there. Yeah. It's, it's upper thirties. Why don't you keep the other important numbers that you have to deal with every day in your head? Don't worry about that right now. Yeah, I just lost inventory. <laughs> oh. All right, so yeah, we're, we're talking about Oh Hey Pinion Jay. If you don't know, it is a collaboration mead um, with Audubon Southwest and a couple of other people, but we'll kind of get into that. Um, but it all really started when me and Evan came across... We were walking down a path, a single track through the Aspens, and we came upon a website. <laughs> we walk in weird places, okay? Yeah, yeah. Walk in weird places. Um, yeah, what, what do we come across? Uh, we came across the Western Rivers Brewery Council. Council. Cancel? Council. <laughs> hey, Evan, what did we come across? We came across the Western Rivers Brewers Council. And their big main focus is in water conservation and brewing. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're looking to get. Um, it started off with breweries until we came along. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> breweries getting the word out and um, about you know water sustainability here in the West, the Southwest, and you know um, alcoholic beverages rely on water. Uh, we all know by now that mead is a minuscule amount of that water, but um, mm-hmm. alcohol beverages do rely on on good, reliable water sources, and so it is important to us. Uh, as an industry and not just personally, which, uh, which we cover both. Right. Cause even though we're like comparatively compared to other alcohols, mead uses very, very little water. It still needs water. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure to keep that nice, tasty stuff around as long as we can that. And I need water. Do you? Yeah. I do. You I do. drink water every once in a while? I do. I yeah. do. <laughs> I remember that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's the clear refreshing. No, I'd love water. I drink so much water. Yeah. Yeah, so we came across the Western Rivers Brewers Council and um, yeah, uh, got in contact with uh, the main man over there, Stephen Prager. Awesome, awesome dude down in Tucson who is working his butt off to get the word out on all these different um, issues. Yeah, and it's and they're important. I mean, the whole like, you know, being that I was a fish biologist beforehand and worked almost entirely in conservation efforts. Um, we always wanted Drinking Horn to be able to support that same sort of thing and be working in conservation efforts, whether it was water, bees, fish, or in this case, the Boyds. <laughs> the Boyds. Hey, look, it's a little Boydy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why uh, I think I just startled some people right there, just yelling in the mic. Um, it, he gets so excited <laughs> yeah, about so the birds. Excited, yeah, and about the water, too. Nick um, is for the birds. Uh, a lot of times I am. Go birds. <laughs> Go, go Cardinals. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why we immediately, you know, went right over and just, you know, kind of cold call emailed Stephen Prager about the Western Rivers Brewers Council. And, you know, we didn't know if he was going to want a meadery or if they looked looking for new members, but we knew that it matched part of our mission. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we reached out with him and, um, you know, got on board, um, got the... Got the ball rolling on that, and pretty much immediately he came to us with with a project. Mm-hmm. And quite a cool project. For anybody who that doesn't know about the Audubon Society, oh man, I wish I had more stats sitting in front of me for the <laughs> Audubon Society. But they're huge. I mean, and they've been doing conservation efforts like since since way back in the day when it was only hunters making conservation efforts. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, everyone knows when you hear Audubon, you know, you've heard of it at least. Yeah, like, oh, you know, yeah. it's a nonprofit that's that's working towards ecological issues, and and they're they're intimately tied with birds. Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Birds, yeah. birds being their main focus for sure. Yeah, they were actually incorporated. I'm looking right here now in 1905. Bedango. Wow, over a hundred years, uh, young. A hundred years young, 117, yeah, 117. They can drink. That's crazy. They can, (laughs) yeah, they could drink a hundred years ago. (laughs) They've got grandkids and great, great. Anyway, um, (laughs) so, so this project is something that again, we're, we're definitely interested in, um, and it, or we're interested in hopped on board. He came to us with an idea to do a collaboration, um, Brew. It's still kind of weird to call a meat a brew. Um, so to come up with a cap collaboration product with us and a brewery in New Mexico. Bosque Brewing. Big shout out to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to get over there. And, and I, I'd like to go there and try it. 
but I think we might be getting some sent to us. Ooh. So through uh, through Stephen Prager, actually, we did a little swaparoo of our mead for there. The only beer. thing better than driving to go get some alcohol is having it shipped directly to you. <laughs> that is that is definitely better in in, in most cases for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our website online www.drinkingornmeadery.com and get mead shipped straight to your door 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 door. That was fucking awesome. That was a pretty good one, huh? <laughs> yes. I was waiting to add something to it, and I was like, nope. It's, nailed it. I'm, I'm at nailed that beautiful it. point of like lack of sleep and too much work, <laughs> where I've hit like this gentle euphoria, where I oscillate between like really fun and cranky as hell. So, uh, You just used euphoria and oscillate in the same sentence, so I just want to start. <laughs> as we both look at the fan, <laughs> right. we both look at the oscillating fan. <laughs> look at you well i gotta get you in this (laughs) i gotta get you in this zone uh more often then um no what were we talking about oh yeah so uh we're doing a collaboration with the bosque brewing in new mexico and they're out of santa fe no um, it's like bernalillo basically oh i don't even know what that is. i think is is, it's like just north of albuquerque okay so like bosque for people who aren't familiar familiar with it being out here in the desert it just refers to the riparian environment which, if you're not familiar with the word riparian environment, just refers to the forest along a river. Uh, for the most, I guess it can be other things if it's in a different environment. But down there, we no, call the the cottonwood forest because that's primarily the tree that's down there along the river is uh, the bosque. Mm-hmm. So you have like Bosque del Apache National Wildlife Refuge down there. I, I used to work there, <laughs> um, and like all, all sorts of other things. But anybody who's right along the li- river is living in the bosque. Nice, cool. Nice. Way to, way to throw out that, that knowledge. That's awesome. Knowledge. Knowledge. So yeah, so they're brewing a beer. We're making a mead, or we already did, and they already did. Um, and we kind of, you know, had some meetings with them, introduced ourselves, talked about what we wanted to see, and uh, came upon, oh, well, we'll talk about the mead. Oh, shoot. Let's talk about the mead now. Jump um, in. Jump into some mead love. Time for some mead love. Mm. All right. <laughs> So we, uh, (laughs) that was part of it. I meant to do that. Yeah. It's a piece of it. Yeah. So we, uh, we decided on some ingredients. Um, it was, you know, not super straightforward, right. To, to get, get the ingredients nailed down. No, no. And like in the sense of most of the time when you hear about like breweries collaborating on something, they have all of their people go to one of the person's breweries and they make it together and then split up the batch at the end of it. Um, because a we're over state lines to Bosque brewing as well as we're not allowed to have grain in here. Um, we kind of each came up with the same, but differenter brew for (laughs) it. So they're doing like the beer version of this and we're doing the mead version of it, but all of the ingredients added to create the flavors in it are all the same. Yeah. Yeah, the ingredients are so local honey, local honey, which obviously we use. We have to use. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't make a mead without it. No, uh, but they're using some local honey as well. Mm-hmm. Prickly pear. Mm. So the juice of the prickly pear. Right, I call them tuna. Yes, yes, a lot of people do. The Tohono mm-hmm. O'odham call them tuna. That's right. Um, don't taste like it. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Well, kind of. I like tuna fish, but not not in my. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we've got uh, local honey. We've got. Uh, Prickly pear, and the final ingredient to tie in the pinion juniper ecosystem where the pinion jay lives is what? It ended up being juniper berries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it ended up being juniper berries because... It, it didn't start that way. No, we thought we would try to um, utilize the, the pinion pine in it, since it's the pinion jay, mm-hmm. by using pinion tips. 
And there was two kind of factors really that, that stopped us from using that. Mostly the FDA. Yeah, mostly the fact that we couldn't <laughs> legally do it. Right. Not that there would be anything wrong with it necessarily. Right, um, but it's not like, so the FDA classifies something, we need to have the FDA classify something as GRAS, G-R-A-S. It is generally received as safe. Um, <laughs> I know, I've gross. actually never heard that before. No? no oh, yeah, GRAS. Gross. Pass the gross, man. <laughs> Generally received as safe. Generally received as safe. And so I, t I submitted our formula to the feds, to TTB, the Tax and Trade Bureau. And they were like, yeah, you, you can't use pinion tips. Yeah. Why? <laughs> not gross. It's not, yeah. And so like you go through and like spruce tips, super common. There's a few other like birch tips are of a fair variety of birches. You can use a whole bunch of other trees, the tips, which, and when we're referring to tips, it's the, the brand new growth. And the reason that you use tips off of something like say, like uh, birch or pine or whatever, it is generally the most flavorful part of the plant because it's these new, fresh, young leaves converted to needles things and, uh, <laughs> perfect excellent i've never heard it said that way leaves converted to needles things yeah cool you know i'm a descriptor kind of personage yeah 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 these tips are they're they're um a little more supple they're less bitter i, I feel like the later growth um kind of gets a little more bitter yeah um, this chair is ridiculous, oh, right it's ridiculous. just don't move okay they're no, moving not moving only the mouth um, so the, the pinion tips also, I don't think tasted super he great. He looks so stiff now. <laughs> I'm not going to move. move. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, we weren't too sure really what the pinion tips were going to taste like, right? I mean, you've brewed beers with, with, with pine tips before, with right? Spruce, not spruce pine. Spruce tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And, uh, and totally fine. You can use as many spruce tips in something as you want. And it's not that the pinion tips would be unsafe, it's just that it hasn't been studied at all yet by the FDA. And somehow for one little tiny metery, they don't want to put in a big study. I don't, I, you know, I just don't know. What? I know. Come on, we're big. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, so I think it's cool, the ingredients. You know, it's a pinion jay. It lives in this ecosystem. If you don't know, it's called the, uh, the pinion juniper ecosystem because there are pinion pines and there are juniper uh, trees. I have a hard time calling junipers trees a lot of times. They're all, they're both kind of more like a shrub for yeah. people that don't live in the desert. It's a, it's just a shrubbery. I used to call them when I first moved here, I was, you know, traveling cross country and I saw them and I was like, it's, it's kind of a tree and kind of a bush. I'm going to call them trushes. Yeah. That's <laughs> so. totally what they are is like half tree, half bush. Yeah. A shrubbery. Shrubbery. Bring me a shrubbery. Oh, that's going in. Oh yeah. We want a shrubbery. Um, so yeah, pinion, uh, pine and juniper. And, and then in this ecosystem all over the place, there is also prickly pear growing, um, mm -hmm. because it's a high desert kind of situation. Well, and it's, and it's a unique environment because it only lives in a pretty specific elevation range, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, a transition zone kind of from like either desert or grasslands, but then not quite coniferous forest. Right. Well, like pine and spruce which and basically means they grow in areas that are a little too hot and a little too dry to have actual coniferous forest yeah. pine pine needle forests is yeah it's kind of funny because they are conifers um but they, they are <laughs> but they're just oh, yeah. they're not the big you know big tall like pines that we're used to it's not what right. you think of as a forest no 
So anyway, because Google a photo. <laughs> yeah, Google a photo. You'll see what we're talking about. Um, or go to the show notes and <laughs> click it, on this link. It is a narrow band. Like what here in Arizona, at least most of the time, it's like 4,500 feet to maybe 6,500 feet. I I wouldn't argue with that. Those numbers. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm not, I don't have, I'm, I'm pulling those numbers out of my ear. I mean, that, no, you, for those who are spatially, you know, in elevation, I get it. That That's totally, that makes sense to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't move it at all. Um, and, uh, and it's, it is, it's, it's this little band, but it is a lot, it comprises a lot of the Colorado plateau that we're on because that elevation is, is very prominent. And Flagstaff, our town is completely surrounded with PJ. Mm-hmm. With, I call them the PJs. Pinion, a lot of people do. That's it's just not. because we live up on this little nipple up here. <laughs> yeah, and then that it starts going down from each direction. It does. Like Arizona is pretty unique. We go from sea level basically all the way up to as far as like where cities and everything else are, all the way up to seventy five hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we, we're surrounded. Yeah, by this that range that you had just said. Um, and so anyway, it surrounds us. It's our backyard, uh, the mm-hmm. PJs, um, and very unique. And, and it's not only the backyard of us, but it's the, uh, home to the pinion, uh, pinion J. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a type of kind of like a blue J it's a type of J. Mm-hmm. Um, it is blue uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's little, he's a little guy. It's not like those big old, like scrub J's or stellar J's. This is a, a right. smaller of the J. Yeah. And, um, yeah, super cute. And they are somewhat of an indicator species for some of these climate change issues that are occurring where, and it's, and I learned through this project that it's not just climate change, but it's us as well. The pinion juniper quote unquote forest ecosystem is not economically viable for anything except for cutting down these trees and creating rangeland for cattle. Which is terrible here yeah. in the Southwest. Yeah. I don't I'm going to be also pulling these numbers out of my ass, but it's something like, oh. <laughs> Ooh, that was a big old number, <laughs> but it was like, it's something like to, for raising one head of cattle out here in the desert, you need something close to like a hundred acres for them to be able to, to graze. Oh man. Or maybe it's 50 acres. It's something huge. Whereas like you go into the Midwest where they have, you know, grass that grows without sprinklers and stuff like that. <laughs> what? And you can grow a head of cattle on an acre. So it's just the head or the whole animal, the whole animal. Oh, okay, it, cool. I mean, the head grows first, I think. Oh, whoa, I think that's why they, I think that's why they <laughs> call it head of cattle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the first part that grows. Oh, I don't know. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it's not, ugh. and just to, to tear down these, these trees, um, and, and therefore completely changing the ecosystem. Oh yeah. Um, because these pinions and we talked about them, these pinions and junipers being, you know, trushes, not really trees that, you know, they're not, like I said, economically viable that people don't go and like cut it and use the wood for lumber. You can use it for fire, um, yep. you know, in your, in your home. Um, so that was kind of, yeah, I was a little disappointed in that. I didn't actually know that that was a big reason. I thought it maybe was just water issues and climate change, but, but us humans are going through and just taking these giant chains and like basically dragging them. It's like dredging in an ocean or, or uh, is that how they pull them all out? What's that called? Yeah, dredging. Drag a net yeah. like in the ocean. Yeah. They, they just take this big old, these chains and it just tears them just rips them apart oh that is crazy it'd be cool to watch i would like to see it yeah and be there to capture all the animals fleeing fleeing from this terrible destruction come with me come with (laughs) ah they're biting they're biting (laughs) yeah yeah so this project is is really you know not to necessarily like it's to create awareness it is so just like I became aware of this and a lot of other people hopefully become aware of these issues. That's what this was about. So we hopped on and said, 
absolutely, let's do this. Um, we don't know where it's going to go, but let's figure it out and let's get this project underway. Use our mead and mead hall as a guide. <laughs> a ghost is opening the door. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as a caveat to to awareness to, to new folks who are just coming in to get a mead and maybe they leave with a little more... Um, you know, maybe empathy and, and compassion. And then every once in a while, and a knowledge. spark and knowledge. Yeah. And a, and a spark to, to do something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so like a big component of the collaboration with these guys was like you said, just trying to bring more awareness to it. And what we're trying to help people that spark that you're talking about, that we're hoping people grasp onto and throw into dry tinder. That's a, oh. that's kind of a rough metaphor Ouch. for out here in the West right now. Yeah, Things are burning. Um, but like what we wanted to really help people do is to become part of community science programs with this. Uh, the, the pinion J is currently listed as vulnerable. Um, so that means they're seeing a heavy population decline, but the population decline isn't far enough down for it to be considered threatened or endangered yet. And once you get to threatened or endangered, you get a whole lot more protections. Now, part of the problem with this whole system that we have for making things threatened and endangered is that it's, it's pretty hard to get on the list. And sometimes things die off completely by the time they make it onto the list. And equally, it's hard to get things back off of the list. We all know how many Canada geese there are out there and just taking over golf courses and everything else. And they're one that they're a success story, though, where it started off with people trying. I mean, we nearly lost them as a species. And now because of restrictions on hunting different times of year because of habitat management and all these other things, they have now become so prolific everywhere that most people are used to seeing like a, I don't know, what do you call a bunch of geese together? I was going to say a herd, but that Flock. ain't right. A gander? A gander. Sure. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So yeah. So that sounds right. Yeah. So like good. now you're used to a whole gander of them sitting there at the golf course, like trying to bite you as you play through or whatever. <laughs> yeah, totally. I did not know that. I didn't know that that was a, a thing that we almost, uh, they, they were on yeah, their, it's, endangered on the way It's out. kind of an interesting thing because now at this point, they're actually like, uh, they're studying those Canada geese down in the bottom of the Grand Canyon because they're starting to live down there. Whoa. And I don't mean migrate. I mean, like possibly permanent residents down oh, there. Oh man, they're doing it for the tax break. Yeah. It's cheap, cheap living down there. There's no taxes down in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. If you stay year round. Yeah. yeah it's not yeah. a second home. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and you bring up a good point with the, you know, it could be too late. Like we're like, oh, well, it's not threatened or endangered. It's just vulnerable. You know, it's just like, oh, that, that boulder might start going down that hill. But then once it starts going down the hill and you're like, oh, let's start building structures to stop this boulder from going down hill. So like anything we it's can do late. now, yeah, yeah, anything we can do now is going to hopefully um, help to start mitigating that to where we don't have to worry about it being threatened and endangered and then possibly extinct. Yeah. And so, like you said, um, citizen science or, or whatever. Community, community science. Sorry, community science. Um, that was one of the three events that we had tied into this project. And so we went out on a Saturday morning and um, had some, some great people from Audubon Southwest uh, there and Grand Canyon Trust uh, explaining how you can go out and basically go for a hike, you know, in the PJs, uh, but then also stop and wait for, um, you know, 15 minutes in the same spot and record if you hear or see pinion jays. What's the name of that app? Do you know it off the top of your head? Yeah. Well, they, so they had a couple. There's Survey123. 
Um, and then bird, um, bird. Oh man, darn it. Um, it's like the biggest one too. Um, if you go to grand Canyon trust, Google grand Canyon trust, pinion J it's the one they use. It's something like seabird. I'm sorry here. I'll add, I'll edit it right here. The app that I was trying to remember is eBird, the letter E and then the word bird. There you go. Okay, there. So sorry, I didn't know that right off the bat, but I'll put that in there. So yeah, th those were the two apps that, that they were using. Um, they said, doesn't matter whichever one you're more comfortable with. The one that I just edited in is supposedly the easiest one, but I haven't used that one. I've used survey one, two, three. Mm. Um, but you can put in as much or as little information. They just want information. If you don't see anything, that's data too. And so if you go out there and right. you don't hear anything and don't see anything, they want to know that. Yeah. Zeros are numbers too. They take, are. Take that math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it can tell you that they maybe if they're not seen in a certain area for a little, for a long time, like why, you know, like what's going right. on in that area. Maybe it's because of electrical lines or like, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I have no idea, but you know, yeah. Zero is, is data two math. Yeah. <laughs> take, take that math. Mathematicians out everywhere. Are just cringing, listening to this. <laughs> Null hypothesis. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so that was one of the projects. Uh, the other thing we had, or one of the parts of, of this project, um, that was actually the last one. So to work backwards, we also had the first day a, a little a little sneak peek of the tasting. People came in and then they listened to a presentation from a couple of people about the Pinion J. And that was great. It was a packed house. There's there tons of people there. Packed. Yeah, and people that came in just for mead. Um, Sometimes you worry about these presentations where there's people talking and if people came in not to hear it, it starts getting loud because they're just talking. They're just there to drink mead with their friends. Right. But this was totally different. Everyone was like, oh, what are they talking about? Um, the the presenter, uh, Ed, was like, he was just, I don't know, he was great. He was a great talker and it was great information. And it was so cool to see everyone just kind of perking up and, and like listening in. Oh yeah. That's, I wasn't, I wasn't there myself for the, any of these. Unfortunately, I was over at a, uh, a festival over in Sholo medieval mayhem. mayhem. And, uh, but man, it's people just wrapped attention, you yeah. know, like it was the entire 70 people in the meat hall or something. were just completely focused on hearing the, the whole story about the pinion J and about the conservation efforts and, and everything from that. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and they were introduced to that. They were introduced to mead in a way. Uh, some people came who'd never been to the meadery. So that was cool. And then the next day we had the mead release. Mm -hmm. And so some of those people that were there for the presentation came back so that they could buy bottles. Um, people were definitely asking for bottles during that presentation. We, we played like the, like the, you can't have me yet kind of card. Just a little, just a <laughs> little taste and tease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they came back and, and we're loving the bottle. Uh, the, we got so many comments about how awesome the label is yeah too the, the artwork was was not done by us this time i mean no. I, I put the label together the rest of the stuff on there it, it is the most words we have ever put on <laughs> a label because we really wanted by to get far. across like why we're doing this and what the reason is and and why you should give a shit you yeah. know i'm gonna read the label right now excellent Drinking Horn has collaborated with audubon southwest to bring you a beverage that helps bring awareness to the plight of the pinion jay this is an indicator species for the health of the PJ ecosystem that is currently seeing dramatic change. Through this collaboration and a community science monitoring program, we hope to bring a greater awareness and the data needed to help this bird and the place it calls home safe and healthy for generations to come. Scan for more info. Oh, you didn't have to read that part. <laughs> no, 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 but that is a lot of words, but it, you know, this is, that's what this project is. It's about awareness. So it is using and our label to, to, 
to tell people. Right. Because that's what they need to better understand where this species is at as far as population and everything is just more data. Yeah. Let me see the data. Give me numbers. Yeah. <laughs> um, Morning dove just walked by the front door. I'm just saying. Walked. Not saying. Yeah. Didn't fly. Walked. No, it's, it's walking. Strutting. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it was a strut. You know how the doves strut? Kind of a wobble. A little wobble. That's how the dove struts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like the way dove strut. I like the way dove strut. <laughs> White yeah, wing gonna... dove sing a song sounds like she's singing. Woo, baby. Woo. Sit. Woo. That could have been our best one right there. Keeping it. All right. Um, yeah, so so that's what Pinion J oh, oh sorry. Oh hey Pinion J exclamation point is uh, It's kinda like you're excited. You're like, yeah. oh hey, oh hey, Pinion, Pinion J. J. Yeah, exactly, because you're out there doing community science. Yeah. <laughs> I keep I keep thumping my thumb on the microphone stand. Thumb thumper. Yeah, and so I would implore anyone listening, if you have an interest in in hiking, um, obviously in birding or in if you live around a pinion juniper ecosystem, to go onto the link in the show notes that I'll include or just um, Google Audubon Southwest Pinion Jay or Audubon Pinion Jay. Trust me, it'll it'll pop up real easily. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's a link in our link tree, which is in our bio and our Instagram. Anyway, you'll, you'll find it. Pinion with a Y. P-I-N-Y-O-N. Mm. Good call. Yeah. yeah. Unlike what they call the nuts. P-I-N-I-O-N. With the little... Sometimes with a Y still. With a little... Oh, I tilde. Call them, is it a tilde? I think it's a tilde. I just call them all umlauts like an <laughs> ignorant swine. <laughs> yeah. I know it's not an umlaut. Uh, I think it's a tilde or tilde, man. We're probably both wrong. And people are like, these guys are clowns. Clowns. <laughs> well, speaking of clowns and juggling, we're going to juggle our way uh, into the outro, I think, now. Well, I got I got <laughs> oh. one little fun note about making it. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so we were, I, I didn't know as much about... Uh, juniper berries as i probably should have when we started making this and uh as it turns out not a berry mm, mm. yeah it's a cone cone what? which which we found out for sure when we put it into we put a bunch of juniper berries into our juicer and entirely <laughs> destroyed a commercial juicer i something snapped it did yeah, and it like shot a flew piece across like the all room. the way across the <laughs> warehouse yeah i did not realize that they are so pulpy and then I was like, what kind of stupid berry is this <laughs> in my classic way? And uh, yeah, it turns out they're not a berry. It's a, it's a cone. So it's really not much of a fruit as much as it is a fleshy cone. Yeah. Mm. Which may not sound that different, but when you're putting it in a juicer, trust me, it's <laughs> yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. For sure. It's and like, then when you're putting it in a meat, it's delicious. Yeah. It was like trying to juice rocks, though, basically. Oh, man. Crazy. So one juicer down, but that's the price you pay for, uh, you know, for the pinion J. That's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just speaking of that, the juni- juniper berries, if you, people out there don't know, that's what flavors gin. Yeah. And so this has a, I, I feel like it comes across um, with the sweetness of the prickly pear right off the bat, a subdued sweetness compared to our other prickly pear. We use yeah. less prickly pear juice than our classic uh, prickly pear mead. It comes up with that sweetness in the beginning and then it just, it kind of dries out in your mouth and turns into um, almost like a, like a gin drink. Yeah. Not quite as extreme, but like to me, I love gin and I, man, I love it. Gin light. 
Gin light. <laughs> Grab yourself a nice cold gin light. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I jumped the gun before, you, but... You know it's cold because the bird is blue. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's amazing. What if we did that on a label? The bird was like blue when it turned cold. I know. So it's like the I got to figure out where Coors gets their temperature changing labels. <laughs> Witchcraft. Yeah, that's probably out of our price Which, range. We know some people that probably... We could get some witchcraft going. We got some Wiccans out there. They'll help us out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, is that uh, is that all you got? I, I didn't mean to interrupt before. I think that's it. I think that's that's everything I can think of with my my Swiss cheese of a brain right now. <laughs> mm, yum. Let's, mm. let's go eat some some uh, Reuben. It's kind of like a cross between Swiss and blue right now. Oh, stinky. Oh, it's not pretty. So I just want to throw, I guess I forgot about this, a couple of little uh, fun facts. The Pinion J... Its scientific name is gymno, uh, gymnorhinus. Uh, gymno means naked, and rhinus is like nose. So it has a naked nose. So mm. all the other birds in their Corvidae family um, have feathers that cover their nostrils. Right. They don't because when these trees, when the berries are ripe, um, it gets real sappy. Yeah. And so they keep their beak clean, not not having those feathers on there. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, their scientific name, Gymnorhinus. Gymnorhinus. Um, old naked nose. And the, old naked nose. <laughs> yeah, man, remember him? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that that was my nickname in middle school? Yeah, old, old naked nose. <laughs> Cover that nose. No. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, a couple of more here. The Pinion Jay social organization is super complex. The guy, Rich, that, that talked... Oh, I called him Ed earlier, didn't I? His name was Rich, the guy that was talking. Mm, tisk tisk. Um, sorry, Rich. Uh, Rich was talking about this. They have permanent flocks that may include more than 500 individuals. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Uh, many birds spend their entire lives with the flock they hatched. And then he went over all this complexity that they've studied and he was actually a part of these studies of like how smart and how social they are so you'd, you'd have really to be cool. to maintain a flock that large i <laughs> yeah. mean most of the time when you see a large flock of birds they're only getting get getting together for mating or migration or one reason amongst many but never as like or not often anyway as like an entire group staying together their whole lives that's really cool yeah yeah that's wild um and then one more they have an expandable ex an expandable esophagus whatever you say that fast <laughs> expandable esophagus expandable okay. esophagus expandable esophagus i actually i i practiced earlier you did I, that's what you're doing over there mm -hmm. they have an expandable <laughs> esophagus that lets them carry about 40 seeds at a time <laughs> so oh. when they go they harvest them and then they go and um They'll go and, and basically plant them in the ground for later to go save them. And so they'll stuff like 40 seeds in their this little expandable gullet thing and then go and put them down in the ground and then come back to them in the wintertime. And they were saying they are something like 90% good at finding them, even in like feet of snow. They'll wow. dig in and find them. That other 10% is a huge way that these pinions will spread. I, it, I can't even find my phone when I set it down. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's usually in your hand. You're yeah. Like, where yeah. is my phone? Like, oh, yeah. Hey, Nick, hold on. Let me get off the phone with you real quick. I lost I my phone. I got to find my phone. Yeah. Oh, God. I love it. <laughs> so pretty cool. The oldest recorded pinion jay was a male at least, at least 14 years and seven months old. Wow. A bird, 14 years, well, seven months old. I don't that, know birds, but that sounds old. It's pretty old, I'd say. For Well, I mean, corvids tend to live 
a whole lot longer than some of the other species mm. out there for sure. But like the, that 10% that doesn't get found, I think is a huge portion of why it's so important for us to be looking at this bird right now, because they are one of the huge drivers of the expansion of the PJ microclimate. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And keeping it going. Yeah. Cause that 10% they forget they're planting them in the ground. So it's like they, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're doing, they're doing nature's job right there. Yeah. I don't want to do it. No, I'm not going to go plant. No, no. Let no. them go do it. So, so, oh, Hey, Pinion J a great mead collaboration. Look for our mead, um, while you can get it, uh, right now at the mead hall or order it online, drinkinghornmeadery.com. You also, if you're in New Mexico, uh, go search out Bosque Brewing and, and go grab one of their collaboration, um, uh, their Oh, Hey, Pinion J beer. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And just find yourself aware of this cute little bird. And if we piqued your interest, if we tickled your interest, um, then good. Yeah. <laughs> grab, grab a, grab one of these Ohe Pinion J beer or mead and go out into the forest and listen for some birds. Right. Oh my gosh. That just sounds, that sounds so relaxing. Oh, I could, I could use that right now. Yeah. You want to go do it right now? Yeah. Okay. Here, I got the bottle. All right. Download the apps downloaded. Okay, cool. All right. Mead All cast right, over. Yeah. Mead cast over. We're going to go, uh, do a little community science with some mead. Um, thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode about one of our releases. We'll try to do a couple more. Uh, if you did, find a way to rate and review us on whatever app you're listening to. And even better, if you've got a friend who would enjoy bees, mead, and cool Viking shit, tell them about our tell them about the meadcast. Let them mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and then uh, feel free to send us any questions, comments. Always, we always love it. You can email them to me. Uh, well, email them to nick at drinkinghornmeadery.com. Or you can leave a voicemail, which is really awesome. We can't wait to put some of those on the show. Uh, speakpipe.com slash drinkinghorn. Mm-hmm. Give us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Yeah, we'd love to. We would love to. Don't be scared. Do it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm Nick. I'm Evan. And this has been the Drinking Horn Meatcast. Meatcast, meatcast, meatcast. 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 meatcast.